Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Absolute sports betting degeneracy. We are live, Rich. What's going yeah. on, man? We got to lay off the uh, swear words now so we don't get the uh, <laughs> FEC fine. Right. You're going to demonetize my YouTube channel, man. Yes, that's my goal. <laughs> hey, Rich, go fuck yourself. How about that? <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, not too much going on here in Chicago Arts, just living, uh, as we were talking a little bit before we got started, living the lockdown lifestyle where our governor has one set of rules for him and a different set of rules for the rest of us. We found out today that he shipped his family off to uh, to Florida on a private jet. And when asked, hey, how come your family gets uh, you know, a little bit different treatment than the rest of the citizens of the great state of uh, Illinois, uh, he basically said, I'm not going to answer that question. So in other words, he really didn't have a good, good answer. No shit. Other than screw you people. <laughs> what do you, okay, let's get, let's put our tinfoil hats on for a second. I love putting my tinfoil hat on. What do you think of the, the idea that Florida is doing so well because they had already been exposed to Corona during the Super Bowl? What do you think of that conspiracy theory? I mean, I, I, it seems plausible to me when you look at like the, what they're doing in Sweden, they didn't close anything down. Um, at all, you know, they they had some rules like you can't have more than fifty people, I guess, in one area at a time. But for the most part, they left things be, and their numbers aren't much different than the rest of the world's. And yet, they feel like they're going to hit herd immunity pretty shortly. Uh, and a lot of folks too now, like, think some of the data is starting to come out that in California, they had the uh, coronavirus much earlier than they originally believed. And as a result, a lot of their states kind of gone through it. So it wouldn't surprise me. I think a lot of it probably has to do with the temperature and humidity because they're finding out that high humidity and or higher humidity and higher temperatures kills it pretty quickly. I think I read that and don't quote me on as a as a fact on the, the duration, but I think they said if you have over 40 percent humidity and over 75 degrees, that the virus lives in the air. Like, so if you cough or sneeze for something like 30 seconds, so it dies pretty fast. So mm. I, I think that's why in Florida, perhaps they have a lot less of it because 
it's harder to spread because once it gets into the open where people can actually get it, it's, you know, its shelf life is pretty short. Right. Kind of like toilet paper a couple of months ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or pork. Or pork. Yeah, that's coming, right? And, and, and ground beef. Yeah. Oh, boy. I can't. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to learn to live with turkey tacos. Yeah, we all go vegan. Vegan. Vegan Degans. All right. Well, you must be learning how to play the ukulele then, Rich. Yeah, like my gut, like my mare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's another funny do as I say, not as I do story. She made this little stupid video of her playing a ukulele and all these what you can't do's. And one of them was you can't get your hair cut. And I think this made a little bit of national news. And she put some images on her social sites of her getting a haircut. And when she was asked, hey, how come you can get a haircut and nobody else? She's like, well, I'm the face of Chicago, which is unfortunate for Chicago because most of us are better looking than that. And I have good hygiene practices. I care about my hygiene as if the rest of us are just waddling around in pig waste, you know, smelling ourselves. And, you know, once we hit a certain degree, oh, yes, now we can take a shower. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that's kind of how I live most of my life. You know, really, really yeah. interesting. I think most guys, given the chance, they probably would. <laughs> yeah. You know what else we do? We would bet, bet on horses. That's what we yes, would do. We do. Yeah. Indeed. And a couple of good races to bet on this weekend. Well, maybe there'll be fun races to bet on, but the payouts might not be that great because I think there's a couple heavy favorites. Uh-oh. So at Oaklawn down in Hot Springs, Arkansas, where they have some freedom, they, their governor, I don't think, ever really put in a heavy set of staying home rules for the uh, citizens in that great state. No, I've heard, I've heard Arkansas governors can pretty much get away with murder. Pretty much. And, you know, in, in whatever woman they want, right? Once they become president. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man. Yeah, so in any case, um, they got two races down there. The There are two divisions of the Arkansas Derby. As you know, today, or Saturday, was supposed to be the Kentucky Derby, but because of the coronavirus and all the closings, uh, Churchill has uh, moved that race till September. So now we have um, the qualifying trips continue. Uh, there's a couple of tracks, uh, Aqueduct in New York and Keeneland in Kentucky that were also supposed to host some of these bigger races where the winners got 100 points. Second place would get 40 points. So coming in first or second would be enough to qualify and get into the race. Mm-hmm. But because those races were canceled, the Arkansas Derby, which usually has one division, is now going to have two divisions. So that's race 11. In race 13 on Saturday's Oakland card. Okay. And then the first race is at 6.30 or 6.29. It's scheduled to leave the gates at 6.29 Eastern time. And race 13, which is the second um, division, that race is expected to start at 7.43 p.m. Now, both races are uh, a mile and an eighth on Oakland's main track, which is dirt. Uh, and I went back and... So I have a lot of time now in my, my hands sitting in my basement doing work while the rest of the world is uh, locked down. Mm-hmm. And I, I went back and watched quite a few videos from some of the more recent Arkansas derbies just to see kind of like if there was any patterns or trends or something I could pick up on to find the, uh, you know, some commonalities or to build a profile of a winner, so to speak. And one of the things I noticed in each one of the races is that early speed. So the horses that get out of the gate pretty fast, they tend to hold their speed. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win, but what hold their speed means is they get to the front and instead of dying, even the horses that are kind of tiring, 
they're able to stay up front. They don't really fade all the way to the back. Like there's not that horse that looks like it just suddenly hit its brakes and everybody else is blowing by them. And then the secondary part is some horses that were a little further back, maybe uh, off the screen, at least off the, the uh, YouTube screen. Those horses, um, you would see at least one or two of them, maybe three, make a real late push at the end. So kind of like a barbell approach to the race. The horses that get off to a really good start and the horses that are a little bit of an afterthought at first tend to be the ones that show up at the finish line. So in looking at the races, I kind of had that in mind along with my normal handicapping uh, hat to kind of get a sense of who might win the race uh, or at least the type, the type of race that might play out. And in the first race, uh, race 11, which is the uh, first division, there's really one standout horse here that if he runs his race, I think everybody else would be running for second. And that horse is the, on the rail, number one, Charlatan. And uh, that horse has run uh, only twice. And in both of his races, he put up uh, speed figures uh, which is a, a way that they kind of normalize races across tracks so that they get, they have a number and that number is supposed to apply. So whether you run in Oakland or you run in New York or you run in uh, California, it's a way to normalize the tracks because some tracks are a little bit faster than others. And he ran two of them over a hundred. The rest of the field in 55 combined races has one. Oh, wow. Yeah. So out as we talked before, having the highest last race speed figure. So when you look at every horse's last race, that's kind of like being the betting favorite. Uh, roughly 30% of the time, that horse wins. He has two in a row. So his last two races are the highest speed figures. Now, in I don't know what the, you know, the percentage is on that, but being around um, horse racing as long as I have, a lot of times when you see a horse that has two of them in a row, that horse will be, um, you know, it wins, I think, a little bit more than 30%. So he's the, the main speed horse. Mm -hmm. And there's really only other one um, horse that I would consider a front runner in the field. And, and that horse is the um, number six horse. His name is Shooter's Shoot. So this is kind of like you and I on the basketball court, man. We just shoot. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I foul out pretty quick, too. Don't, I don't want to underplay that. Well, that's okay, too. A little hackery is not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to let people know you're there, that you're playing defense. It's all effort, right? Fouls are effort. That, that, that's exactly right. Yes. So this horse, shoot or shoot, would be probably the other horse that's up in the front. And like I said, speed does hold. So I would expect him to be around the, you know, uh, near the front, all the way around the track. The one thing that I look on here is both Charlatan and Shooter Shoot both have a one-mile win at Santa Anita. The big difference is Charlatan's final time was almost two seconds faster. Mm. And you think about that, that may not sound like much, but on the horse racing track, every length is approximately, I mean, every second is approximately five lengths. So two seconds, that horse is going to be somewhere between eight and 11 lengths behind Ooh. at the finish line. So visually, that's just an ass kicking. Yeah. So that's why I think that Charlatan has a really good shot of getting out, taking the lead and, and making a laugher of it. And he's going to be he's he's one to one in the morning line. So even money. Mm -hmm. uh, I would expect that by the time they actually leave the gate, he'll be three to five, I think. And because of that, 
you know, straight win bet probably doesn't make a lot of sense. He's no, one no. of 11 horses. So what's that like a 9%, you know, just math chance to win. Yeah. So that's not really, I think what you would call a, you know, a good bet. And we're expecting Charlatan's number to not look good. Come post, right? I mean, he's no, one he's, to one right now. Yeah, no, I'm saying he'll probably be like three to five. Three to five. And what do you think about what do you think about the other guy? He'll probably go up a little bit. You think I, so? Yeah, I would think because what'll happen is a lot of the money is going to flow to Charlatan. Okay, so it's going to make a, the odds of a lot of the other horses go up because they're going to attract less money. Mm-hmm. I think what you got to try to do on the back end is you got to try to find some value maybe and put them in an exacta or a trifecta. So that way you're kind of betting on the horses to come in first and second. So it's kind of like a a, a, a more risky win bet, if you will. Right, right. Or the other thing you can hope for is that he runs completely out of the money and you leave him completely off your tickets, even though you think he's going to win. You know, you, you, you probably put it at I, I probably put it at about 50 50 that he wins, which is pretty high, mm-hmm. um, maybe even 60, 60, 40. Uh, so there's a 40% chance that he doesn't win and probably maybe a 20% chance that he runs out of the money altogether. So from a betting strategy standpoint, you have to make the decision, do I want to bet him and put him on top of like an exacta or a trifecta yeah. and try to get a bigger ticket? Or do I just say, you know what, screw it. I'm not going to bet a lot of money on the race uh, and, and I'm going to leave him off my ticket and hope that something doesn't go right and he just runs a bad race. Okay. And I end up, I end up uh, collecting a fatter ticket. So, some of the back end horses that you know I like here are uh, Enu Dior, number eight. Mm-hmm. So this is a horse that last time out just really sucked at the Risen Star Stakes. He was the <laughs> betting favorite. He got bumped early, so he played a little bumper cars with another horse. He got a little claustrophobic in some traffic and just said, "You know what? Yeah, today's not my day." And just stopped racing. And he finished uh, ninth of 11, 12 lengths behind the winner. But prior to that, he had three races. And he was a neck and a head away from being undefeated in those three races. Now, the second at the Los Los Alamitos um, graded race probably wasn't as attractive now since Thousand Words was the winner of that race. And at that time, Thousand Words looked like a – you know, a real Kentucky Derby contender and since it's not you know, really raced that well. So that second place finish might not be as attractive now as it was back then. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, he's the only other horse that's been able to put up a triple digit speed figure in the field. So, you know, he has the talent. He has the ability to get there. Um, so I would expect that this is a horse that's probably going to run middle of the pack out of the uh, out of the gates and then once they hit, uh, once they come out of the final turn, he's going to turn on the Jets. And if he can hold that turn uh, and, and not kind of fan out as they come for home, I would expect that he'll have a closing kick and he'll get himself up into the money or at least, you know, be in that pack of horses at the wire that can uh, that can be on a winning exact or trifecta. Okay. Uh, another horse that has similar type, uh, I think, approach is Basin. Just the 11 horse. He's um, making his third start after a layoff, which is a classic handicapping angle. If you uh, if you go to the track and you buy a, a program where you get the daily racing form and they have um, a, a line that splits where a horse takes a break and then comes back to the track. 
And the third race off a layoff is, is one of the first things you learn in handicapping books. And in this case, his trainer, Steve Asmussen, which is a good trainer, mm-hmm. he wins uh, 21% of the time with horses making their third start off a layoff. Now, this is a horse that's going to be hoping for a sunny day because his last two races weren't that good. And but his last three have been on slop. So crappy tracks. And you just don't know what you're going to get if the track is really sloppy. Some horses don't mind if mud is in their face. Mm-hmm. Other horses hate it. So and they might take it one time because sometimes a wet track can be a fast track. And sometimes a wet track can be a slow, muddy slog. And he, he didn't like the last two at all. I would suspect if he gets on a fast track, he has a win in a second in a two fast track races that you get his best effort. And he should be a horse that can get involved at the end. Okay. Uh, looking for a long shot here. Uh, one other horse we should mention that's going to be kind of like a betting favorite too is a horse by the name of Governor Morris. Yes. Yes. He's uh, the four horse. He's nine to two. His morning line odds. And he's also making his third start off a layoff. And Todd Pletcher, another good trainer. Um, it's a 23% winning angle for him. And he's kind of been an off and on horse. If you look at his uh, past track record, he wins. And then the next race, he he finishes way behind the winner. And then he wins. And then the next race, he finishes way behind his leader. Last race was a way behind the leader race. So if the trend holds, then he's going to go ahead and you know and shock everybody and win. My biggest concern is that when he's raced against good horses, he's not been close. So he broke his maiden, his first race, his debut, just good thing to do. And then he went ahead and ran in a, 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 a grade one race. He finished second mm-hmm. uh, by five and a half lengths. So he, he didn't really run that well in that race. And then he went and ran an optional claiming race, which is a lower level race just to collect a check because he's the best horse there. And he won, and he, but he didn't do it like in a, just like a kick-ass fashion like you'd expect. Like if you and I went and played Steph Curry and horse, he would kick our ass. <laughs> yes. Right? Right. So this is sort of like him playing against, you know, us playing against not, probably not that uh, big of a difference, but, you know, he's playing horse against um, lesser competition, and he should have won – uh, pretty with the H O R S E to maybe an H cause you got lucky, mm-hmm. but he didn't. Uh, and then in the next race, he came back out in the Florida Derby and ran against quality horses again. And he finished fourth uh, by five and a quarter lengths behind everybody. So I'm a little concerned that when he faces stipper competition, he shrivels. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe not, but uh, I would like to see him perform well against a, a top level competition before I would you know, jump enthusiastically and put my money on. <laughs> There's a, finally, there is a horse that's 20 to one that also has kind of sucked the, I mean, really sucked the last two races. And that's the seven horses. His name is wrecking crew. He finished 16 lengths behind the winner in his last race and 42 Blanks behind the winner in the race before that. <laughs> Sounds like a, a, a surefire winner to me, baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, and there's always a but, on a fast track, he's hit the board four out of five races. He's got to win two seconds in a third out of five races on a fast track. But if you look below the past performance numbers and into his training sessions, 
the horse really looks like he's sharpening up very well. He, he, he had in his last uh, five training sessions, actually last four since his last race, three of them are what they call bullets. And a bullet workout is when you run the fastest time at that length. So, for example, he ran a six furlong um, training session in 111 and four on April 22nd. It was the fastest of five horses that trained at that distance that day. Mm. He trained on April 16th, again, at six furlongs. He put in a time of 112, which was the fastest of four. On March 16th, he did a four furlong. So each furlong is an eighth of a mile. Um, no, because four furlongs is a half mile. And six furlongs, no, yeah, six furlongs is three quarters of a mile. Forgive me my CTE from high school. <laughs> but on March 16th, he ran the fastest four long, four furlong time of 37 horses. So he's clearly putting in some good workouts. And prior to his last two just complete, you know, I don't feel like racings, he uh, he had finished no worse than third. Mm. So if these workouts are an indication of the kind of shape that the horse is in, he could come out, run a race that nobody's expecting. The bullet workouts suggest that he could be up near the front. So a little bit switch up in his racing style. And if he's near the front, as I mentioned at the start, if you get near the front, you have a shot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 20 to one with a likely three to five favorite, I would expect his odds, uh, unless all the Deegans go out and put hundos on him, <laughs> I would expect his odds to, you know, to probably rise a little bit, be maybe 30 to 40 to one, a forgotten horse. And if he were to finish second behind the charlatan as the winner, you're going to get an exacta ticket that probably would pay, you know, 40, 50 bucks. That's not a bad little payday. Not a bad payday. And he, somehow he won. You know, you're, you're talking about a $100 exact. Well, I mean, it would be, you know, a $60 horse if he wins at 30 to 1. Ooh. So that's my take on the first division. Um, so I, I think Charlatan is, you know, is likely to win in a laugher. Race could be over pretty quickly. And then everybody else is kind of going to be uh, jostling for second and third. Second is the most important, obviously, because they get 40 points uh, and the, in, in their qualifying points for the Kentucky Derby. And if you get 40 points, since they switched to a point system in 2013, every horse that scored 40 points found it uh, was eligible to run in the Kentucky Derby, provided they weren't injured or for some other reason couldn't race. Okay. Okay. And now we go to the second division because um, – as uh, as we mentioned at the start, there's uh, two races because they don't know if they're going to be any other races to help horses qualify for the upcoming Derby. September is going to be fun, man. We're going to have the Derby. We're going to have the NFL, maybe. <laughs> we're going to have um, uh, the Preakness. Basketball might not be that far away. You're going to have, I think they said in November, you're going to have the Masters Tournament. So this fall is going to be kind of a, one wild. of the best falls ever, no? Yeah, oh yeah, it's gonna be crazy. Baseball, yeah, something maybe. Well, they said what the major league baseball said that uh, they want to start in, in late June, right? That'd be that'd be nice. Mm -hmm. I, I read that they want to start. They want to start in late June, and have their teams play in their own stadiums, uh, but without fans. Yeah. So every day will look like a Tampa Bay game. 
<laughs> just like that, right? For sure. And yet they have a good team. I don't know what's up with the folks in Tampa. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, there must be something in the water down there because even Tom Brady, who seems to have a meticulous way of doing things, wanders into strangers' homes looking for By- Byron Leftwich. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on with Tom down there. Well, is it legal down there and it wasn't legal in um, Boston or what? Oh, I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to look into that. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe Tom is down there. Uh, what was it the guy Breland said from your team? He's a marijuana aficionado? <laughs> yeah, no, marijuana, a marijuana enthusiast. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, that's what he said, right? The guy who just got arrested, Breland, the uh, defensive back mm-hmm. in South Carolina. That's pretty funny to me. I, that's kind of an interesting thing to me. How are they going to suspend players for smoking marijuana if they're if it's legal in half the states? Yeah, it's it's yeah. I don't know how they're going to figure that out. Yeah, just see. Well, I was in a state where it was legal, right? So you know, how is that going to be held against me? Anyway, that's a that's a podcast for another day. Yeah. So what, what which race are we looking at? Which number? The thirteenth is the yeah. It's the second to last race. And that's the second division. And this one's a little bit more wide open. Again, it's uh, a mile and eighth on the uh, dirt track. You're going to have the same biases that you have in the early race where you have speed. And this, I, I do think that there's a, a, another horse here that could be a standout horse. And again, it's another Bob Baffert horse like Charlton, like Char- uh, Charlatan. And that's Nadal. He's the five horse. He's five to two. He's undefeated in uh, three starts, but I, he, he's going to have some competition. He's a speed horse. He's going to get to the front. Um, so, you know, he's going to have the, the, the uh, ability to possibly carry that speed all the way to the finish line from the start. But he's going to get some heat from our favorite, Wells Bayou, that we made some money on. Oh, I remember. Yes, indeed. And he's the 11 horse. So he's going to be starting a little bit outside. But that didn't really, you know, the – in, in watching the videos, whether you started close to the rail or you started away from the rail farther out, um, it didn't really seem to have an impact on the outcome of the previous uh, Arkansas derbies that I watched. So I don't think that's going to be uh, in any way, shape or form hamper Wells Bayou's uh, opportunity to get to the front. He'll come crashing down, try to get near the leader or, or to the lead. And you're going to have Wells Bayou and Nadal both coming out of the gates both looking for that lead, trying to get the lead by the first turn and then try to hold that lead. Now, the difference is uh, is that Wells Bayou does have a run over Oak Lawn, a couple of them. He has a win by four lengths in his first try, and that was on the mud. And then he finished second uh, by a length to Silver Prospector, who's also in this race. Okay. Uh, not really a f- – in Silver Prospectors, not on my tickets, but I expect those two horses are going to get out to the lead and they're going to be uh, probably joined at the hip by another horse that made a name for itself on one of our podcasts, King Guillermo. Mm-hmm. So those are going to be three horses that get to the lead and duke it out. Now, I suspect that the horse that has probably the most staying power, or the two anyway, are going to be Natal and Wells Bayou. In their races, they've been on the lead and challenged. So they didn't get like clear leads and then uh, just able to kind of pull away from the rest of the pack as they bump and grind and tire out behind them. Yeah. yeah. So they've had to show that they have some heart, some, you know, the ability to, to fight it out and then um, 
from there find their way to the tape. So those are two horses, the Natal and the Wells Bayou, that have shown heart. Whereas King Guillermo, you know, when he's been challenged uh, outside of the uh, Tampa Bay Derby, he's kind of faded at the end. Mm. But he did post the highest last race speed number at 102, which is a pretty good number. If he runs that same race again, he probably wins again. But you're not going to get 49 to 1 odds on him this time like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Unfortunately. Uh, so I think those three horses are going to get to the lead. They're going to compete. I do think that one or maybe two of them could back up because they're probably going to have to run much faster fractions than what you're going to see in the first race uh, because there's a little bit more competition for the lead. And so this is going to open the door, I think, in the 13th so Division Two for some off-the-pace horses and maybe a little bit of value. Um, the first horse I have in my value play is number 10, and that's Farmington Road. Mm-hmm. He's 12 to 1. Now, if you look at this horse, in every single race that he's run, when you look at where he began in the stretch and where he hit the finish line, so on that last 16th of a mile, he's gained ground on the leaders every single time. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't think that that trend's going to change because he just came off the bench. So he, he was sitting on the sidelines since April 15th, I mean, February 15th, got back to the track on uh, April 11th at Oaklawn Park. So he's got to run over the track. So he's comfortable with the terrain. And he finished second by a half length. And he ran his best speed figure ever. In doing so, he also cut his fractions pretty sharply. So his final time... He reduced by about a second. His history says that he'll run at least the same kind of race, but probably better in round two off the bench, off the sidelines. So I would think that you would you'll see an even better number, and he could threaten, uh, you know, a hundred speed figure. The faster the pace is up front, the better it is for closers. So if you see uh, on the TV. When they hit the quarter mile post, they'll put a little number up in the right hand corner of the picture, sometimes the left hand, and you'll see like 22 and then, you know, decimal 22.4. Yeah. That's how fast they ran the opening quarter. In a race of about a mile and an eighth, you know, anything that's in the mid 22s is going to be fast. If it's under 22, it's really fast. So you're going to know right away if the, if the pace <laughs> is going to favor the guys up front or yeah. it's going to give the guys in the back a shot. Right, right. So if you're sitting on Natal and he runs a 21, uh, you're going to be kind of sweating it out at the end for sure. Exactly. Well, don't give us the spoilers. Don't tell us what to look for that we know we're already lost the race after the quarter mile. Well, it gives you hope. You got to be the glass half full guy, man. Right? I don't want to bet the favorites. We're not here to bet the favorites unless they're absolutely the best horse. That's true. That's That's true. What we're doing is we're looking at the race and how it could play out. And I think there's a chance that they come out a little hot because you're going to have a, you know three or four horses that try for the lead. And in a big field, if 30 to 40% of the horses are going to try for the lead, that can lead to a pace that's too fast. Mm-hmm. And if you're under 30%, then usually those speed horses have a much better shot of, you know, of holding in there. Late, okay. uh, so th- that's kind of what I look for yeah, yeah. when I'm trying to determine if I want to, um, you know, go with speed, but speed is the modern, it is the modern horse race, get to the front, win the race. It's not uh, like it used to be where horses kind of laid off the pace and then would close and you'd have this dramatic worst to first stuff all the time instead of just occasionally. Mm -hmm. 
So, um, so speed yeah. is definitely the, you know, the, the number one forecaster nowadays. Right, right, right. Oh, I remember, man. I remember, uh, I thought social paranoia was dead in the water with our race a few weeks back and from last to first. Fortunately, yeah. <laughs> we, we all need a little hope these days yeah. that we can take our lives like Governor Pritzker so we can go from worst to first and we can get <laughs> our families on planes to go to Florida as well. I mean, we're not all so fortunate to have mommy and daddy leave us a trillion dollars in hotel stocks. Right, right. Well, in the case of your governor, it sounds like she, they might be going from first to worst as the longer they talk. So, yeah, well, I don't know. In Illinois, I think um, we're a, we're probably a more one party state than Cuba. <laughs> All right. There's there's little opposition in this state. Believe me when I tell you, it's uh it's just a one way street. And I, you know I I'm looking forward to the day my kids are done with school and and I can go to a state that actually allows me to to keep my money. Ah, there you go. At least some of it, anyway. Then not try to find a way to take all of it. <laughs> nice. And so, so I have to make sure I can hit some winners, so I have a little bit of money that they don't know about. Right, right, yeah. And that's why uh, you know we do horse racing and look at sports betting. Well, you're not really keeping a very good low profile, you know, I mean, guarantee tip sheets and all that. That's, that's, that's kind of a high profile. Yeah. I'm not too worried about it though. JB Pritzker is probably about two, nah, probably about three forty, And that's after the belt surgery, <laughs> the odds of him catching me in a race are, are, are zero. Gotcha. Gotcha. He'll have to, he'll have to send the police after me. And I know a few of them, so they'll probably cuff him instead. Any other horses we should be looking at in this race, or do we got them all? So no, and Storm the Court. This is another one of those horses oh, okay. that kind of goes, uh, you know, off and on. He's uh, he's won some really big races. He shocked the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which was uh, supposed to be a big matchup uh, earlier in the year between uh, Eight Rings and Dennis's Moment last year at uh, Santa Anita at the Breeders' Cup, and those two horses just fell out of bed. And he came home to win at uh, basically 46 to one. So a real big winner. But outside of that race in his maiden race, he really hasn't shown a whole lot. He, you know, so, but he can beat high quality horses. So you have to keep him in mind. He did race against Natal and another horse fast enough, which we also have in our picks um, two races back and finished behind both of them. So he's going to have to improve a lot to find his way to the winner's circle. But he has shown in the past that he has the ability. So, yeah, kind of like me in high school. I, I showed that I had the ability, but most of the time didn't use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel you there. Yeah, yeah. well, the world's run by C students, so I figured why be anything but a C student. There you go. Yeah, just play the numbers. Play the odds. Yeah, for sure. And no doubt about it. So the, to, to, to round out our picks is the eight horses fast enough. And, and I really struggled between um, the eight horse fast enough uh, Silver Prospector, the, the horse that we talked about a little bit earlier, and the nine horse uh, Taishan at 15 to one. But ultimately decided to go it fast enough as my final play. He's got two wins and in a, a third in his three starts. And that's really was the key to me is that he's the lightest raced horse of the three. So between Silver Prospector and Taishan, you kind of have a sense of who those horses are. And the odds of them improving a lot are kind of slow, are kind of low. Whereas fast enough only has three races under his belt. So he may not have shown his best yet. So he's trained really well coming into this race. And 
if he improves off of his last race, like a lot of horses do uh, when they come off the bench, he can put himself in the type of uh, effort that would give him a, a shot to win this race. So that's why I went with fast enough. So when you, when if you're at home and you're doing your own handicapping and you're trying to decide between horse two horses, that's a kind of an angle that I like to play over and over and over again is the more lightly raced horse. When the horses have run 70 times versus 50 times, that's not really a difference. But when a horse has run three times compared to another horse that's maybe run six or 10 times, that's when that type of thinking can come into play. Okay. Yeah. So I would be looking at this race as, as the better of the two betting races, because I do think you have a chance to perhaps um, find a, a more of a long shot to come home of the long shots that I think has the best chance to win. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to lean towards, well, I think Farmington road has just as good a chance to win as any of the top three horses. So maybe you do a little exact the box with uh, Farmington road, uh, Natal Wells Bayou, and then you can decide between like King Guillermo and maybe fast enough uh, as horses that you want to put in that fourth spot. And that can give you a, a shot where you got a long shot to come in, maybe a medium horse in terms of odds or a value play mm -hmm. and get yourself a, a much better ticket than you're likely to see in the first division. Nice. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, you know, uh, somebody asked me specifically, they sent a message saying if Rich is on tomorrow, ask him if he's got any more stock advice for us. <laughs> right now, you know, the market's kind of down today. Yeah. So I, I haven't really been looking at any stocks. What I'm kind of working on is some insider buying and I did find a stock the other day that was kind of interesting. It's a little small company, but you're going to have to give me a second here, Arch. So oh, you, have fine. To, you have to fill up some dead air for me while I look something up. Yeah, I'll fill up some dead air. I don't know if you can hear in the background. It sounds like my wife is taking a bath. So oh, yeah? That's how she's utilizing her lunch break. Well, that's a good deal. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen her every moment of every day for weeks now. And it's been bliss. Let me tell you, just bliss. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I've had the same phenomenon in my home. <laughs> um, the uh, So the company is, it's a, a little small regional bank out of uh, Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. And it's a uh, company is called Bryn Mawr Bank Corp. So apparently those folks out of Bryn Mawr have a very original way of naming things. But so the, you have the president of their banking division. His name is uh, Kevin Tylus. Yeah. So this guy um, in September of... 2018, she's so got two insider transactions. So September of 2018, he sells a stock at $48.33. Now he's not a big hitter. Mm -hmm. So he's, you know, so he's not trading millions of dollars. Um, he's not one of those CEOs that you see that's making 40, 50 million dollars a year. He's well paid. He gets paid $720,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Probably very few people listening to us that wouldn't gladly switch spots with him. Right, right, yeah. But it's, in like, the court, it's like working for Chris. That's the, that's the kind of money you make. Yeah, divided by 100. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Chris. But anyway, the, um, the, uh, well, you know, in that, in that world, 720, you go to a, you know, a, I'm a corporate executive party and mm -hmm. you, you're making 700, you know, you're, you're the valet guy. <laughs> yeah. But in any case, he, uh, he sold the stock in September at $48.33, September of 2018. That's one of his two insider transactions. That was damn near the all-time high. After that, the stock went from 48, and not including this recent crash, um, you know, because nobody can forecast uh, you know, the, the, the Wuhan Red Death. The, uh, 
after that, the stock dropped to 30 bucks in about, I don't know, three or four months. So he's clearly had good timing on that. He didn't buy at all after selling. And he just jumped back into the stock uh, on uh, the 23rd of April at $26.34. So it's a small regional bank. I think it has a dividend around three and a half percent. So you're going to get it, you know, you're going to get more in the dividend than if you went and deposited your money at Bryn Mawr Bank. Mm. Um, and, and so I think the guy's shown some good timing in the past. Small regional bank. It's probably uh, pretty strong in terms of its financial balance sheet because most of the time to survive in that kind of a market against the city banks and the chases of the world, y- you have to have a pretty strong niche at something. And you have to run yourself in a conservative kind of old-fashioned Main Street way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but looking at this guy's history, I would suspect that you know he's in it for one reason. He obviously sold the stock because he thought it was way too high back in September of 2018, cashed out near the top, and now jumping back in at 2634. You know that's pretty close to the bottom that was achieved uh, at the bottom of the crash. So I would think that that could be a company that if you're looking to get into the regional bank space. That could make sense to you know to 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 look at. All right, good tip. All right. As for the market, kind of a little bit iffy after today because we've had a series of higher highs and higher higher lows as the market has kind of ratcheted its way higher. Mm -hmm. Um, If we get much more of a downtrend, that that cycle could be broken, which would mean that that this current um, intra rally might be in danger. Oh. I would be a little bit, uh, you know, any stocks that people have bought for the short term. Uh, if you see uh, any kind of break in that recent lows, uh, I would think about maybe for short term stocks, putting a little cash to the side again, because 30 million unemployed people, folks, that's a lot. That's a 10 percent of the country. And that's is, it was 150 million people in the workforce. So that's 20 percent of the workforce. Right. Mm. My yeah. math is right. That's a heck of a that's a heck of a lot of people out of business. From what I understand and what I've read, it's worse than the depression. And we all have visions of those black and white pictures of people in wool clothes that look completely uncomfortable in bread lines. Yeah. And um, I, I, I hope and pray that, you know, that doesn't kind of happen to some of the folks that, you know, the fellow Deegan's listening and those who aren't part of what we do. Um, but I certainly know I've been there throughout my life where I've been out of work. And how difficult that and how stressful that can be for people. And I really don't wish that on anybody. Mm-hmm. No, no, not at all. No. <sighs> all right. Well, well, hopefully we can end on a high note here. So people that don't have to work. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Financially like independent it. via horse racing. There you go. There you go. Just go out and make some money. All right. Anything else we need to touch on or is that it? That's about it for this weekend, Arch. Um, Hopefully with the states reopening in the South, uh, plenty of them in Minnesota, I guess, in in Colorado, there are some more tracks that should be coming online. Uh, I know that I read that uh, Tiger and Phil and Brady and uh, and, uh, Manning are going to start, they're going to play golf on Memorial Day. Oh, all right. So I don't know if there's going to be any betting on that. (laughs) You know, there will be. But yeah, there probably will be. NASCAR starts on uh, um, May the twenty fourth. Are you a NASCAR better? I know some uh, people are. I'm not. I yeah. don't mind doing uh, the DraftKings thing because it's kind of uh, the way they get 
the way the DraftKings or the well, at least that's the one I use. I don't know how the FanDuel works, so I'm not going to speak to what I don't know. But the more cars you pass, the more points you get. So I've always gone under the when I pick my teams on 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 DraftKings to take the good racers that are for whatever reason didn't qualify well and are at the back of the pack, and just take them because you know they're going to pass a crap of people, a crap load of people, and get their way to the front because they always do. And you're going to score maximum points that way. And then you got to get some, you know, some small price guy that is going to race pretty well. And usually those are the guys that qualify, Mm -hmm. but I don't really do a lot of NASCAR stuff. I, I, my favorite part about NASCAR is the Daytona 500. And it's because to me, it's like the first event of the year that tells me spring is close. Yeah. 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 I'm same way. And NASCAR starts their season with their Super Bowl, <laughs> which is it's interesting, right? It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Totally different way of doing things. Yeah. I guess you get it off to a good start. And I guess maybe because the interest dies from there. So you might as well get the best product up out first. Right. Because you're going to start running into football, which just completely dominates your sport. Yeah, pretty and much everything. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to put it at the end. You, I guess you wouldn't want the, the your final race, which I think is in what, in December? Like competing with week 16 or 17 of the NFL season when everybody's jockeying for playoff you know, positions. Right, yeah. And we're all trying to figure out how the Cowboys are going to shit the bed in the playoffs this time. Well, don't they have to make the playoffs first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, hey, I like their draft, and a lot of people do. You know, I think that their offenses are going to be a little bit better with CeeDee Lamb. A lot of folks are comparing him to DeAndre Hopkins. I think maybe he's a little bit faster than DeAndre Hopkins, but and that could probably be because he's younger. I do like the uh, the fact that they got a center that replaces Travis Frederick, but they're both from Wisconsin, so maybe in four or five years he's going to retire too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't settled the issue with Dak. You know, I feel real bad for the guy from his brother um, dying. Yeah. So I think that'll probably be motivation for him. It's funny because you really haven't heard much about how he died, but – you know, young guys just don't fall over. No, no, they don't. It's always a shame. Mm-hmm. So All I right. think my, my Cowboys will be pretty good, but I don't think we're going to be able to hold a, a candle to, you know, Mahomes. And uh, who did you guys draft? The kid out of uh, yeah uh, uh, LSU, right? The running back? The running back. They don't listen to me, man. I bang my shoe on the table all season saying running backs don't matter. And they go out and get a running back. Well, maybe you should send the podcast to Andy Reid. He should. I should. I should be an advisor. I think so. All right. All right. Well, we're going to end this live broadcast so Rich and I can argue about NFL point spreads. All right, Archie. Have a great weekend, everybody. Good luck at the races. Stay healthy, and uh, we'll talk soon. And don't forget, guaranteed tip sheets. That's where Rich posts all his work. Every race, not just the two. All the races in the weekend. Guaranteed tip sheet. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owner-operators of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.